0: Welcome to the 27th episode of Egg Timer Philosophy, a podcast where philosophical ideas are scrambled up in about five minutes. This episode of the Egg Timer will cover some basic ideas concerning the concepts of ownership and property. Let's start with the concept of ownership. An easy way to think about ownership is that it is just a bundle of rights that a person has in respect to some things. Back in episode 17, the topic of rights was given its own episode, so if you like the ideas in this episode or just want to learn more about rights in general and you've not heard that episode before, you might go back and give episode 17 a listen. Now, the basic idea of rights is that they are just claims against others not to do something or they're a liberty that a person has that others do not have a claim against them doing. So to say that ownership is a bundle of rights really just means that a person has a claim against others with respect to something or a liberty with respect to that thing that no one has a claim against when that happens a person has ownership or property in the thing understood in this way having ownership or a property interest in something is not binary instead it exists on a spectrum between very minimal ownership and maximal or full ownership. It can help here to think about a Lego set with each piece being a different type of property right. These are detachable and what makes the pieces can range from very minimal to completely maximal. Let's start at the minimal end of things and work our way up to the maximal end of things. So we can start by considering something like a park bench. All members of the community have a minimal ownership or property interest in the bench because each is at liberty to use the bench by sitting in the bench, provided no one else is in the spot they are sitting in first. A person has this liberty because no one has a claim against them not to sit in an unoccupied park bench. Now, obviously, this is an extremely minimal type of ownership or property right that a person has in respect to the bench. All other members of the community also have the same minimal right because the bench belongs to everybody in the community. It's even understandable why some might not want to call this minimal ownership at all, but instead refer to it as something something along the lines of a minimal property interest in the bench held by everyone in the community although at the same time, I, I do think it's fair to call your rights to that bench as a member of the community a type of minimal ownership. Now, we can ratchet things up a bit more here and discuss what bundle of rights is needed for a person to have private ownership or private property with respect to something. Here, two rights are central. First, a person needs a claim right that others not use the thing without their permission or consent, and they need a liberty right to use the thing without getting the consent or permission of others. Once those two rights are had, a person would privately own the thing. So for example, you would privately own your car when you have the right to exclude others from using the car without your permission, and you would need the liberty right that others would need uh, that you do not need, excuse me, the permission of anybody to use your car that you privately own. But as I said before, ownership is a spectrum. So we can keep ratcheting up and adding even more rights connected with the bundle of ownership that go beyond what's needed for minimal private ownership. For example, a private owner, someone who has private ownership in something, in addition to the rights of exclusive use, often has rights to transfer their property through gift, rent, or sale, and even going further to have fuller, maximal rights, uh, property rights, with respect to something would include something such as the right to destroy the thing that is owned. One common mistake when thinking about private ownership is that it must involve a fully maximal set of rights with respect to the thing being privately owned. And it certainly is true that if you did have a maximal set of rights with respect to something, thing, you would privately own it. But you don't need that maximal set of rights to say that you privately own something. You can see this when you consider the idea of owning your house. You're the private owner of your house, but you're not a maximal or full owner of your house because you have you still have to pay property taxes in most cases to the state or you're going to lose those ownership rights. Now, private ownership, it doesn't necessarily mean maximal ownership over the thing that is privately owned. One example here that's really interesting is the case of a rental car. So take the example of you've just signed the papers at the counter in the airport for the 24-hour car rental. Who owns the car during the 24-hour time span? Well, the answer is that in a sense, both you and the rental car company own the car because during that time, you each have a bundle of rights in respect to the car. And so it, it seems almost like a contradiction that you could both own this car but in a way you both do own the car because you have different rights within your bundle with respect to that car. If you, ever, if you have ever looked at a rental car agreement, you know that the rental car company keeps a lot of rights in respect to the car during your rental time frame. but you also gain rights over the car that others do not have in respect to that car over that time period. You do have a type of ownership or property interest over the car during the time of your rental period. You gain the right, for instance, to exclude others from using the car during your rental car time period, and that even includes, in most cases, the rental car company itself. They can't just come and take the car because they want to or because they need it back. It's yours during that time frame in a a real and lasting sense. It gets a little bit weird when we ask who privately owns the car during your rental agreement with respect to that vehicle. Do you privately own it during this time or does the rental car company? Now, this might sound a bit controversial, but, controversial, but by and large, I think it's fair to say that the renter does have a fairly strong sense of private ownership over the car during the time of that rental agreement. Some of this will depend on the language of the rental agreement, but it is the renter, after all, that has the exclusive use of the car over that time, not typically the rental car company. Switching gears a bit here, there might be things that a person can own, even in a strong sense, which contain clear moral or legal limitations on that ownership. Pets and art here could be an example of this. A person can own a pet in a strong sense, but because we are talking about a sentient being, there are clear moral limitations to what the person can do to their pet, even if it's right to say that the pet is a person's private property. Unlike the case of owning a chair or table in a strong sense, the person is not at moral liberty to simply destroy or kill a healthy pet or abuse their pet. They lack that right because the type of thing the pet is. Though more controversial, the same might be said about the private owner of something with great cultural importance, such as certain works of art. Because of what the thing is, we might say that the private owner could exclude use of the artistic item and even bar others from accessing it. But the private owner might lack the right to destroy or degrade the thing because of its cultural significance. Note here that this line of reasoning could extend to non-living parts of the natural world, such as environmentally significant things. A person perhaps could privately, even in a moral sense, own a beautiful waterfall. They might even exclude others from seeing that waterfall. But because of the environmental significance of that thing, that doesn't necessarily mean they have maximal rights to do whatever they want to do to to their waterfall. The framework of ownership and property presented here can be applied to oneself. And many political philosophers, especially those who endorse various types of libertarian views, make the notion of self-ownership central to their views. And this notion of self-ownership is where we will pick up on the next egg timer. Until then, wishing you good philosophical vibes.